All right. I'm going to welcome up Van Cochran to give us a message. Thanks, everyone. <clears throat> All right. So, do you know some churches have Sunday school and then they have a church service afterwards? And the kids go to Sunday school and in some churches then they go to the church service afterwards. All right, so there was a church like that and the Sunday school teacher was always telling the kids be quiet when you go to church. And so one Sunday, as she's releasing the kids from her Sunday school class to go out into the auditorium to be with her parents, she said, now children, remember, be quiet. And why do we need to be quiet in church? And a little kid popped her hand up and said, because people are sleeping. <laughs> See if you get this one, okay? There was a comedian named George Burns. Some of you are old enough to remember him, but he said this. He said, the very best sermons have a good beginning and a good ending, and the two are as close together as possible. <laughs> All right. I have one more. <laughs> so this uh, engineer passed away, and he gets to the pearly gates, and due to a clerical error, Peter, rather than letting him into heaven, sends him to hell. So this engineer gets to hell, and he, he says, this place is pretty miserable. He said, I gotta do something about that. So he installs an air conditioning system. Then a few days later, he said, boy, people are thirsty. So he installs a water system and there are fountains now everywhere for people to drink. And then, then he puts in flush toilets and escalators and a few other improvements. And, um, and so, you know, hell's really looking like a, it's really looking up, you know, things are going, <laughs> going good. And so one day God called uh, Satan on the phone just to check in and see how things were going. He says, how are things going down there? And uh, Satan says, well, things are getting pretty good down here. We got an engineer. And God said, what? And then Satan said, yeah, he built a, he put in an air conditioning system and watering system and flush toilets. God said, wait a second. You, it was a mistake. You're never, you were never supposed to get an engineer. I want you to send him back here right now. And Satan says, I'm not going to do it. I'm keeping him. And God says, no, I insist. You've got to send him back here. And Satan again just says, no way. So God says, listen, if you don't send that engineer back here, I'm going to sue you. And Satan just laughs uproariously. And he said, oh, yeah, where are you going to find a lawyer? Hmm. Okay, lawyers, it's just a joke. We know that you are good people. You love Jesus. You are essential to the, our culture. Without lawyers, you know, our culture needs lawyers. So we're thankful for you and pray that um, a blessing on you. So today what I want to do is uh, I want to talk to you about faith, all right? And uh, some things God's been speaking to me about faith, particularly faith as it relates to the renewed mind. Faith as it relates to the renewed mind. You know, I, I asked, uh, we had a guy named Steve Backland here to uh, meet with our leadership team uh, just a week ago. And by the way, Steve's coming back in January. I think it's the third weekend of January. So mark that off on your schedules. He's a great guy. 
But uh, I, I said to Steve, I said, what, what do you think about faith when the mind itself is not renewed? And without really any thought or anything, he said, faith without a renewed mind gets weird. Faith without a renewed mind gets weird. And that's because without a renewed mind, we're trying to engage in something that is spiritual and requires a renewed mind. And, and it's, it's trying to blend two worlds. We're going to talk about that as we go through this. But faith is something that, uh, you know, I love some of the verses in the Bible on faith. You know, where Jesus says, all things are possible to them that believe. I read that and it lights up my heart. It makes me want to love God more. It makes me want to go, go off by myself and pray and read the Bible and just let God speak to me. In other places, Jesus said, if you have, uh, he said, all things for which you pray, believe that you have received them and they'll be granted you. That's a pretty powerful promise, isn't it? I love that. Now, one passage where Jesus talked about faith that really is one of my favorites is found right after Jesus went up onto a mountain with, he took three of his, his apostles with him, left the other nine somewhere down the mountain, and he takes them to the top of this mountain, and Jesus tells them, you guys stay here and pray, and he went off a distance, but within, uh, within eyesight, and he's praying, and as he's praying, the intrinsic glory that he has due to his deity just busts out, and he starts to shine as bright as the sun, it says. And two Old Testament characters, Moses and Elijah, appear, and, and they're there with him. And so this incredible experience they had up on that mountain, and then Jesus takes his three apostles, and they go back down the mountain, and when he gets to the foot of the mountain, he finds his other nine apostles in a big argument with the Pharisees, because they had been trying to free this boy from a demonic stronghold in his life. They were trying to cast a demon out of this boy, and they couldn't do it. The demon wouldn't obey them. He wouldn't listen to them. And they are all befuddled because they've already gone out on at least two missions where Jesus sent them out with a specific charge to heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom, and free the demonized. And when they came back from that, they were astounded that the demons obeyed them. And here they are now telling this demon to leave this boy, and, and the demon's not obeying them. And so they're befuddled by that and, uh, and, and really don't know what to do about that. And as they're walking, well, Jesus frees the boy, okay? And the, the demon resisted Jesus. But finally, it, it had to give up and, and submit to his authority. And so they're walking away from this incident, and the apostles asked Jesus then, why couldn't we do that? You know, what, what was up? What did we do wrong? And here's, what, here's Jesus' answer to them. This is in Matthew 17, 20. He said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Now, it's very easy to look at this on the surface and to think, well, he said the littleness of your faith, so their faith was pretty small, and to think of it in a quantitative way. But like, if you quantify it, let's say Jesus' faith was a 10, and their faith is down here at a 1.2. And he's saying, boy, if you'd, just, if you'd just been able to get your faith up to a four or a five or a six, man, you could have, you could have done this. If you'd just been able to increase your faith and to make it bigger. 
But the very fact that the illustration he uses is of a mustard seed would indicate to me that he's not talking about the quantity of faith when he says littleness of faith. Because the mustard seed was the smallest known seed at the time in the Middle East. And it just almost microscopic. And yet when it is planted, it will grow a large mustard tree. Someone told me in between services that they had heard from a reliable source that mustard seeds will grow just about anywhere. He said that he had heard that if you sprinkled them on the carpet and watered them, they'll, they'll sprout and start to grow. And there's a reason for that. Do you know what the reason is? That mustard seed, as tiny as it is, it has life in it. Okay, it has life, real life in it. It has the DNA of a mustard tree in it. And when the DNA is there, it doesn't make any difference how big the seed is because it's gonna grow. And when the DNA is, is in, that, in that, then when, when, when it is there, it has kingdom, it, it has life, and when you and I connect with the kingdom, and our faith is then filled with kingdom life, then our faith has kingdom DNA in it. And what Jesus is saying here is, don't worry about how, how much you have. Don't worry about the quantity of it in the sense of it takes three bucketfuls of faith and you only have one bucketful. Worry and focus on the quality of your faith. Focus on the fact that your faith is rooted genuinely, truly in the kingdom of God and relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when that's true, there's life there. And then you're spreading those seeds of faith and they sprout and they grow and they have tremendous impact. So it's, it's genuine life that Jesus is focused on here when he's talking about faith. Uh, if, 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 um, if, they had, if they had had faith with genuine life, he's saying, it wouldn't have made any difference how much it was because it would have been effective and they would have been able to fulfill their, their call as kingdom people. Think about a cell phone. Um, cell phone can have like up to four lines of, um, of reception and you, you see the bars, you know, some of them go like this and some of them are ascending like a little pie. If you only have one bar in your cell phone, you can make a call with that as long as it's stable as long as it's real. It's a real connection that's not, gonna, that's not gonna cut out. You can make a call with that. So you don't have to have all four bars to be effective. Now it's better to have all four bars, and I like that, you wanna have that, but it's the quality of the connection that is the thing. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to us here. And this is what God's been revealing to me lately, that it is the renewed mind that where our minds are breaking away from the normal course of life and, and the normal way of approaching life that we see in this world. And we are becoming people whose minds are renewed with kingdom of God thinking. And when that begins to become second nature to us, then the quality of our faith increases. So another place, Jesus, um, well, actually earlier in this very same chapter, the apostles had asked Jesus to increase their faith. He said, you know, they just came up to him out of the blue and they say, increase our faith. As if they were thinking, well, we have like level two faith, make it level five faith, Jesus. 
And here's what Jesus does. He gives him the same answer. He says, you know, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, in that case he said, and you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up out of the ground and cast into the sea and it'll obey you and nothing will be impossible to you. So he comes back to that mustard seed concept. But then what he does is this, he tells them a story, a parable. And in this parable, there's a servant. And this servant has gone out into the field all day long and worked. And he says, when that servant comes in, the master doesn't present dinner to the servant. He said, the servant serves the master. He comes in and he says, no, your needs rise above mine and and I'm gonna cook your dinner and feed you before, before I take my own dinner. And what Jesus is saying in that is that this servant was so focused on his master that his master's priorities and values had become part of his own thinking. So that he had absorbed his master's values and priorities. And because of that, he, it was just natural for him to serve. In fact, at the end of the whole parable, it's as if there's a reporter there asking him, uh, you know, how do you feel about this? Uh, you have you know, this master that's so hard on you and you work all day and he can't even give you dinner. And, and the servant says, no, wait a second, this is my job. This is, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so what Jesus is saying there is that just like that servant had completely identified with his master's values, with his master's priorities, he's saying if we want our faith to grow, what we need to do is to have our minds renewed so that we're not focused on the course of this world and all the things we worry about in life, but so that our minds are so focused on Jesus that his priorities and his values become second nature to us. That's what it was for this servant. It was just like, what are you talking about? I'm not being oppressed here. This is who I am. This is what my job is. Now, here's the thing. If you have a master, um, that's, that's kind of like a harsh word in our culture, isn't it? Master, servant. Uh, but if you have a master, you're not, you're not really sure if that master has your best interests at heart or not, are you? He might, she might, but maybe not. Now the good thing about our relationship with Jesus is this. Night before he died, he says to his apostles, and he says to us by extension because he told his apostles to teach us everything he had taught them. He said to them, he said, I'm not calling you servants any longer. You know, he said, we've had this type of relationship, master, servant. He says, that no, no longer. He said, I'm calling you friends. I'm calling you friends from this moment on. And the cool thing about that is I know my friend has my best interest at heart. I know my friend is not going to abuse me or take advantage of me. So I can freely say, yeah, Jesus, I want to, I want to change my worldview for yours. I don't want to see the world and life and my life through the lens of just fallen humanity. I want to see the world, my life, the lives around me. I want to see them through kingdom, through a kingdom viewpoint, with, with a kingdom mindset and a kingdom kingdom lens that I'm looking at it all with. That's what a renewed mind is. And so when the mind is being renewed by focusing on Jesus and receiving the truth that he gives to us, then it becomes second nature for us to believe him. 
and, and to, just to walk in what he says. And it's not like we have to try to develop faith for something. It's not like we have to try to work faith up. I remember when I was a kid, we had a, a swinging bridge at Boy Scout camp where I went. It was um, um, just a one-person bridge, and it was all rope with boards on it. That thing was pretty scary. It was high enough that it was pretty scary, and I really had to work up some gumption to walk across it. Now, there are other bridges I walk across without even giving it a second thought. And when, when, you, when you have that bridge, you know that bridge is stable. You, you look at it. You don't even have to, you don't have to think. You don't have to step back and calculate and think and then say, oh man, I gotta work up my courage because can this bridge hold me or not? When it's a solid cement work that you can see obviously, it's second nature to you. We were driving here uh, the, other, uh, the other day and I was thinking about this message and this thought popped in my mind. I just thought, you know, I don't even think about the road. I don't even, I don't even ask the question, is the road going to continue? Is the road going to be washed out up here? Or, or is this road going to collapse and my cars, I know there, there are sinkholes places, but I'm not thinking about that. It was second nature for me to get into my car, turn the key on, and I'm surprised when it doesn't start because it's second nature for me for, for, me, for it to start. And it's second nature for me to back out of the garage and to go down the street. So what renewing the mind, when the mind is renewed, we are able to walk in kingdom life without consciously thinking about every step we take because it's the natural way for us to walk. It's just the natural way for us to live. And so there are some, some really great passages here that um, we can look at that will help us to understand this better, I think. But um, Jesus, Jesus calls us friends. We can trust him. And, and we, we want to adopt his mindset, his values, because we can trust him. So another occasion, um, passage that gives us some insight into this, is Matthew 16, 21 to 23. And this is when Jesus starts telling his apostles about his coming death. And up to this point, they're all thinking that the kingdom's coming and right away and he's gonna be the king and he's gonna have some victory over all the enemies of Israel and they're gonna be his right-hand guys standing right beside him. But now Jesus is telling them, no, I'm gonna go to Jerusalem, I'm gonna suffer and die. And that just blew circuits in their brains. They just couldn't comprehend how that could be. You know, what the heck, Jesus, we thought this, we signed up for something different than this. But here's what happens. In Matthew 16, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. You know, that's kind of like an oxymoron. Never, Lord. You know, if he's Lord, you don't say never to him, Okay. <laughs> But he says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're, stumb you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Having your mind on the things of men is the opposite of having a renewed mind, okay? And the word mind in, in the Greek text is actually a verb, it's not like a, a noun as they use it here. He says, you're not minding the things of God. 
You're not focusing your mind on the things of God. You are minding the things of men. Have you ever had, um, ever heard of, or had your mother ever tell you that you need to mind her? Mind me now. That means that you are going to honor her, that you are going to respect her, you're gonna do what she says. And you're gonna focus not over here on what you wanna do, you're gonna focus on what she wants to do and what she wants you to do. And so he's saying here that Peter was minding or honoring the things of man rather than the things of God. And because of that, he was, he was a stumbling block to Jesus, which tells you something about Jesus' humanity. I don't think he's making that up. It was a stumbling block to him. Jesus is headed to something real. And he needs, God, he needs people around him that are gonna support him. And tell him, yeah, you're following God's path. It's gonna be hard, but you can do it. And here Peter is saying, no, 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 that would be the most horrible thing could ever happen. It's not gonna happen to you. And so for Jesus at that moment, it's kind of like disheartening to him. And, and so he rebukes Peter. And he says, Peter, you're thinking, you're thinking like the enemy right now. And you might ask, well, how is that? Well, it's real clear. In, um, in Ephesians 2, the apostle Paul writes this. And he's writing to believers. Paul was an early, early follower of Jesus who wrote a lot of the New Testament under the Holy Spirit's guidance. And here's what it says. It says, you, meaning believers, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey. Now, here Paul says that before you come to know Jesus, you're automatically following the course of the world, the, the, the course, the, the pattern, the path, the way of life that the world lays out, the fallen world, doesn't know Jesus. And he says more than that, that that whole course of life is being directed and influenced behind the scenes by Satan. And so there is a course of life that we are naturally born into. But when you become a believer, when you accept Jesus, you are taken out of that path, out of that course of life, and you're put on a new path. Now, for some of us, it's possible, though, to, to really hold on to all these old beliefs and old, and old thoughts and to really to continue down that path, the course of life, the course of life in this world. And you, you have to ask them, well, what, what's that talking about? What does it mean? Well, Jesus has said in another place, he said, um, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna put on, where you're gonna be tomorrow, how things are gonna go a week after that. He said, don't you know the Gentiles worry about those things? He says, but your father knows what your needs are and he cares about you. And so Jesus was identifying there for us some of the things that are the focus when a person is walking in the course of this fallen world of which Satan is the ruler and, and the in main influencer in thinking. And those things are, what am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What am I gonna wear? What about shelter and clothing and food? What about my relationships? Is this person gonna, gonna be faithful to me or not? And, and on and on and on it goes, but it's all focused on survival. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Jesus said, you know, your father knows you need them and he's gonna provide them for you. And he's not saying 
by that that we can just sit back and do nothing because the Bible tells us work, get a job, work hard, spend wisely, give generously, and save regularly. The Bible tells us to do all those things. But what he is saying is that don't make that your main target in life. That's not your main focal point in life is to accumulate and to try to find security by, by amassing things to yourself. Now, what happens when you live in a culture where most of those things are fairly easy to come by, at least at a survival level? Then what happens is we expand our worldly thinking into other areas. Then it's not just food, shelter, closing. Those are the basic needs. But then it becomes, well, I need to find my happiness in life. I want to be happy. And oh, surely God wants me to be happy because God's good and kind and loving. And he wants me to be happy. And I can't be happy with this. Even though I know the Bible says that I ought to be faithful to this. I can only be happy with this. And, and so there's a, a mindset then that focuses not on knowing Jesus and adopting his values and his life, but on whatever it takes for me to get what I think I need. And that's, that's part of the course of this world. And so if I'm worried about my needs being met, if I'm fearful, and if, you know what that leads to? It leads to control. I try to control other people around me. It, sometimes it's just flat out self-control. I, I go into a hyper mode where I'm, I'm just trying so hard to control myself in every aspect of my life because I'm not really trusting God to bless my life. Or I think I know better what blessing means than he does. And, and it leads into um, all sorts of other things like, like um, lying and disloyalty and breaking my word. Did you know there's a verse in the Bible that says a godly person makes a promise to their own hurt, but they keep it anyway? What that means is you made a promise with good intent, but then you found out later, that's, it's gonna cost me to do that. I don't wanna pay that price. It's just something real simple. Let's say you promised your friend that you'll show up on Saturday to help load the truck. You know, they're moving. And then that week, you have an exceptionally hard week. You come down to Friday night, and you're thinking, oh, I just, need, I just need some time away. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. I just, I can't do it. I'm just not going to go. What, this, what that verse was saying was a godly person swears to their own hurt. They make a commitment, find out later that I shouldn't have done that, but they keep their word because their integrity is significantly important to them, and, and they want to honor God by keeping their word. But there are all sorts of things in our culture and in our lives, um, selfishness, complaining and criticism. That, that comes out of this also, finding, finding our path in the course of this life, the course of this fallen world. And you can't, don't even need to talk about sexuality and what happens in that whole realm. But this, this, whole, this whole direction that that so many people believe is giving them life is really the way of death. And the Bible says there's a way that seems right to people, but it leads to death. And Jesus and Paul in Ephesians 2 is saying that's the wrong path. Get off that path. And if you're a believer and you find yourself going down that path, you need to get off that path as fast as you can and get onto the other path. I have a good friend that uh, Bill Jackson, who passed away a few years ago, but 
he, he grew up as a Christian and um, knew the Lord, really genuinely knew the Lord. And he said this beautiful girl moved in across the street from him. And he was a teenager. He was like 18 years old. And um, one day when no one's parents were at home, she came over to his house. And he said, he doesn't quite know to this day how it all happened, but they ended up totally naked in bed, ready to have sex. And you know teenage boys have raging hormones. He said that at that moment, he thought, wait a second. No, it was in her house because of what he did. He said, what am I doing? I can't do this. I can't do this. He said he jumped out of bed, grabbed his clothes, and just ran out of the house. Listen, if you find yourself on the wrong path, don't, don't make a six-month plan to get off it. Just grab your clothes, run out of the house, just go for it. You've got you to get off that path onto the other path. And so we're focused here more, though, on the idea of where are our minds focused and, and where are we finding life and are our minds being renewed. The mind itself is renewed through revelation from God. Romans ten seventeen says that um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith growing, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And the word of God in that context, it's a Greek word that means the sayings of God. It refers not so much to the overall Bible that's the Logos, but this is Rhema, and it, and it focuses more on specific things God said. And so it can be specific statements from Scripture that the Holy Spirit en- enlivens in your heart as you're reading them. Or it can be the Holy Spirit just speaking to you through some other means, just the Holy Spirit just giving you revelation directly about some situation in your life or some truth uh, that, that you need. But it, that's, that's what renews our minds. And this whole idea of revelation, it changes who we are. When, when Peter saw Jesus, it's possible to, have, to experience revelation and either not know what to do with it, but if you do experience revelation, God revealing something to you, and your mind is not renewed, here's what we usually do. We do what Peter did when he was up on that mountain with Jesus. He sees, he sees Jesus Moses and Elijah there, it's this fantastic moment, and Peter says, this is really cool, let's just stay here forever. I'll build you, I'll build each of you a house, and we'll build ourselves a little hut, and we'll just hang, let's just hang out here because this is so awesome, I don't ever want to go back down the mountain, I just want to stay right here. That is an unrenewed mind responding to the things of God. Okay, when an unrenewed mind sees God, experiences God, it, it translates that whole thing in a very self-centered way. And so the renewing of the mind comes through God speaking to us, us receiving that, and us acting upon it. And so when, when God reveals more of himself to us, and let me explain to you what I mean by that, okay? Lori and I have been married almost 43 years. In November, it'll be 43 years. You wanna stand up and wave to everybody, honey? My beautiful wife, thank you. Boy, does she deserve applause. Um, When we were married, we got married at the age of 25. 
You know, at 27, I could have never comprehended what it was like to be married, to love the same woman for 43 years. I couldn't have known. I could have read books on it. I could have theorized about it. I could have desired it, but I wouldn't have known what it was. There's only one way I could have known, and that would be for me to experience it. But you know, what God can do, he could have reached into the future and he could have plucked some of that experience of 43 years of marriage out of the future and he could have brought it back and dropped it into me. And if he had, that would have been what I would call revelation, okay? I'm, I'm learning something, I'm experiencing something, I'm, suddenly my mind is being opened to understand something that I could not understand, see, or know naturally. No matter how much I focus on the Greek text or Hebrew text or theology, I, I could have never learned it naturally. And, the, and God does that with the Bible, with the word of God. He opens up things from the kingdom and he shows us depth of meaning that we could never grasp on our own or he speaks to us in a way that shows us a new insight into life that we couldn't have had on our own. That's revelation. And so we all want revelation. We need revelation because that's what changes our hearts and minds and that's what renews our hearts and our minds. Now, Jesus said this. He said, oh no, let me say this. I want to complete that, that illustration. You realize that if you're a believer in Christ, the day is going to come when you're going to be fully in his presence. And you're going to, the kingdom is fully here right now, but we're not experiencing it fully right now. But that day, when Jesus returns, we're going to experience the kingdom of God in its entirety. And just like God would have been able to drop into my mind what it was like to be married for 43 years, he can take a piece of the kingdom and he can bring it right back to your life and your heart today and just drop it right into your life. That's revelation. That's what we're looking for. That's what we want to ask God for. God, give me revelation. Give me, show me things I could never see on my own. Show me wonderful, the, the psalmist prayed and he said, oh God, show me wonderful things from your word. He understood. You can read it, but boy, I want the Holy Spirit just to open things up to me that I wouldn't have seen on my own. And, and that's what changes us. That's what renews our minds. So that like the servant, because we're focused on Jesus the whole time, our minds are just absorbing his values and absorbing his priorities for life, kingdom values and kingdom priorities. And then we walk them out and live them out and, and it's just second nature to us. We're not thinking about it. It just becomes second nature to us. When that happens, then that tiny little bit of faith is gonna have kingdom DNA in it. There's gonna be a kingdom life quality to it and you're gonna be able to spread those seeds of faith, just water them and they're gonna grow and you're gonna see effectiveness in, 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 in your life as you pray and as you exercise the authority Jesus has given you to release the kingdom of God. And so this is what we're all striving for and I tell you, for us as a church to fulfill the call God's put on us to impact this community, this, this whole city, uh, our region, the United States, the whole world. For that to happen, we have to be filled with people who are pursuing this, just pursuing more of Jesus, just wanting more of Jesus, just get, getting alone with him. Go into a dark closet or stop and pull your car off, side, off the road or whatever you have to do to be alone and just say, Jesus, I want to know you better. 
I want to I see you more clearly. Open my mind. Give me revelation to see you. As Paul prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we could know the hope of our calling and the riches of all the glory of our inheritance in Christ. And you just say, God, I want that. God, reveal that to me. Show me more. And when, when, when decisions do come, you're, you're saying, no, wait a second. That is that old world course. That's, that's the fallen world. That's the way the fallen world does this. I'm going to do it your way, Jesus. And you begin to walk that revelation out, and it just changes your heart, and it changes your life, and it becomes something new and alive to you that, um, that uh, makes you a powerful person in the kingdom. Because then you've got, no matter how big your faith is, it's filled with kingdom DNA. First service, uh, at the end of the service during worship, I leaned over to Micah Turnbow, who is on staff here and leads our prophetic ministry. And I said, Micah, do you have any idea what you know, God's doing right now in the room? And he said, I- I'm really not sure, but it has something to do just with hunger. More hunger for God, just more desire for God. And it was just a, a few seconds after that, I hear a little voice in the back yelling, Papa. And I thought, oh, well, someone's kid is, you know, just yelling, that's okay. It was, we're in the middle of worship. And, um, and then I thought, wait a second, that's what Haya calls me. And I kind of looked back and I saw Wilson grabbing Haya as she was coming down the aisle yelling, Papa. So she knows, <laughs> I sit down here. Man, that blessed my heart. Man, I gotta tell you, I don't care if she had a dirty diaper. I don't care. Blessed my heart. We'll change the diaper, or one of us will. (laughs) I think what God was saying through all of that was that when we pursue him, when we say, I want to know you better, Father, I just want to know you better, that it delights his heart. And, and that some of us feel like we can't do that because you know we've dirtied our diaper or there's something in our past that we think makes us unworthy or something that we haven't cleaned up yet, this area of life, you know, something in my life that I know I need to break with but I haven't yet. And we think, well, then I, how can I pursue him if I'm not willing to give that up? Well, just be willing to give it up. That's all you gotta do is just say, God, I want you more than I want this. Then don't worry about it. Don't try to change your own diaper because you can't change yourself any more than an 18-month-old can change this dirty diaper, okay? And so you just say, Jesus, I want you more than this. I know this has a hold on me, but I want you, I, I'm, I'm making this declaration. I want you more than I want this. And I'm seeking you and I'm calling out to you and I'm asking you to touch my life and open the eyes of my heart and let me see you and let me experience you and free me from this so I can walk in kingdom ways. I wanna be on the kingdom path. I wanna be living according to kingdom life and principles. And, and, I, and I want... Lord, I do, I want my faith to grow. But it's not by focusing on growing faith that we have our faith grow. You focus on growing your faith and having better faith, you're probably gonna get into something weird. But it's by focusing on Jesus and a renewed mind and connecting with the kingdom through the presence and the life of the Holy Spirit that causes that faith to grow. So let's, let's pray right now. That causes a quality of faith. Remember, that's, that's the emphasis here that it's not quantity, it's quality of faith. It's having kingdom DNA in our faith. 
and then not worrying about um, the size of it. So, Father, we, we open our hearts to you right now. We're so thankful for your goodness. We're thankful that it delights your heart when we come to you, when we run to you, and we just say, Papa, Papa. And so we say to you right now, the things in our lives that haven't yet submitted to your kingdom, or we haven't yet submitted to your kingdom, we want you more than those. We want you more than our pride. We want you more than success. We want you more than that relationship that seems so important. We want you more than the new job. We want you, Lord. We want you. Tell them that. Holy Spirit, come now as we turn our hearts to worship Jesus. Transform our lives, renew our minds as we focus on you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you here. Amen. All right, we're going to receive the offering right now, okay? It's on the far left, baskets. You grab that, pass it down. This is a kingdom principle. You know, the, the, the course of this world says, hold on to everything you can. Kingdom says, now be wise, spend wisely, save, but give generously. That's a kingdom principle. And when I, when I hold on to everything I have, then I'm following the course of this world, which is controlled by the enemy. So this is one of the ways we just say yes to Jesus. We're all, all gonna stand, let's stand. And um, you know, you're welcome to come down front and worship. In fact, I would say this, if you've never done it, do it. This is the day. Break with your pattern. When you break with your normal pattern, it opens your heart up. It does. And so come on down front and, and let's worship and let's just lift up the name of Jesus today. Sometimes we shout because we're excited. Sometimes we laugh because someone told a good joke. And um, sometimes the Holy Spirit just pours joy out. And you know, and around here when, when he does that, it doesn't show up as just a sweet smile, but it shows up as laughter, okay? So that's, that's what God was doing over on this side of the room this morning. If you want to get in on that the next time, you just have to crowd over there. All right, so, um, yeah, he is. When um, the night I got saved, 
I, I was thinking, I knew Jesus died for my sins. I knew I needed to be forgiven and I needed him in my life, but I was afraid I couldn't change the life I was leading in drugs and drinking and, and fighting and stuff like that. And um, the Lord spoke to me and said, don't worry about any of that. I'll take care of that. And he did. And that's a word for anybody here today that is holding back because you think you can't change. Good. That's good. That's a good place to start. He'll change you. Open your heart to him. And, and he will change you. There were people that were being set free as we worshiped today. And minds are being renewed because we're, we're proclaiming truth. And that when the Holy Spirit is involved in that, our minds are renewed. I had a specific uh, call for this, for people who have experienced loss. And due to decisions maybe you made or decisions someone else made that impacted your life, there's restoration for that. The kingdom of God is filled with life and joy. And God can bring restoration. And so come up and receive prayer for that today, okay? Just for the Holy Spirit to just grab some of that kingdom joy and life and bring restoration and restore, restore what was taken. Um, prayer team can come on up, okay? And also for healing and any other needs you have, we want to pray for you, whatever you'd like prayer for. Anyone that works in a school, teacher, administrator, any, uh, you know, you're part of the janitorial service or administration, I want to pray for all the teachers and everyone else involved in schools over on this side of the auditorium, on this side, okay? So come on down here. I just want to pray for you and bless you as we're just, just into the beginning of the new school year. All right, uh, prayer team's up front. It's so awesome to see you all here. Hey, we're going to see you next week, okay? All right, so walk with Jesus. We'll talk to you and see you next week.